Welcome to the Love Your Bible Podcast. Hey, we have a fun uh, several episodes coming up. I know it's been a while since I did a podcast episode, uh, but we are studying creation at Hardin Baptist Church. We're doing Genesis 1, and uh, obviously Genesis 1 has a lot of things about creation, and one thing that comes up is uh, the age of the earth. Uh, is the earth really old? Is the earth really young? Christians can disagree about those things. Uh, and then just thinking about church history, there's a lot of um, our forefathers who thought through different things about creation. So we're going to do some fun episodes. So the first one, or actually the first two, it's going to be science and creation. And uh, I'm going to interview Jimmy Slack and then also Jeffrey Young, who are both going to give a different perspective of what science points to. And then we're going to get Jackson Greer to come in and give us a history lesson on creation from a church history perspective. Uh, What did Augustine and what did Aquinas and what did some of those people think about creation? And then uh, the last one, uh, I'm going to dialogue about what is the theology of creation? What does it really teach us about who God is and who we are as people? But today uh, I have my guest, Jimmy Slack, and uh, he is going to uh, tell us why he thinks uh, the world um, is older uh, he'll be the old earth guy, and then we'll have um, Jeffrey Young talk about young earth, and those are two different positions that Christians have, and so Jimmy Slack, I would love for you to start. I know when you think about old earth, young earth, there can be some sharp disagreements from Christians over those two perspectives, so I would like for you to talk about um, not just what we have differences over, but what do we share in common as Christians between young earth and old earth? Well, that's where I like to start when I'm talking about old earth, young earth, because uh, I like to bring the heat down. And it's hard to have a dialogue with brothers and sisters if there is a lot of heat in the Yes. Room. And so we agree on quite a bit. We agree on the who of creation, and we agree on the what, what, what God did. And we agree on why he did it. Uh, where we get into dis- into disagreements is uh, in the exactly when and how God did it. Okay. And in my uh, in my opinion, those two are less important than the who, the what, and the why. So, and we all, uh, I believe strongly that my young Earth brothers have a very high view of Scripture, okay. just as I do. Yeah. And and I, I admire them for that. We just disagree on uh, particular interpretations of it. Okay. So it's not one believes the Bible and one no. doesn't. No. I, I'm c- firmly convinced that they believe the Bible just as much as I do. Yes. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I like the... Um, I think that's good to think about, okay, who, what, why, and then how and when. So we're going to talk about the how and when, because uh, if, <laughs> you missed, yeah, if you missed the who, what, why, uh, Hard Baptist Church, we did two sermons on God is creator and God's good creation. You can go listen to those. Um, but today I would love to just dialogue about, um, yeah, those other, the when and the how. And obviously you take the perspective of old earth. So I'd love to just... Think about what exactly does that even mean? If, if someone's listening and they've never even heard of young earth, old earth, like what are we even talking about? Let's set the stage there. And then I want to ask you some questions about specifically the word day in Genesis. So just give us the, what, what are the two camps, young earth, old earth? 
Well, the young earth people believe that the earth uh, was created uh, anywhere from six, usually six to 10,000 years ago. And they base that on their interpretation of the Bible and using the, the word day okay. as uh, 24 hours. And then they look at the genealogies in the Bible and they do the, do the math. Uh, Archbishop, Archbishop James Usher did it many, many years ago. Okay. Um, and he came up with the creation date of 4004 B.C. using the genealogies in the Bible and assuming that those days were 24 hours. Uh, my perspective is that the scientific dates for the age of the universe and the earth are accurate. Okay. Uh, that the earth is about four and a half billion years old, that the universe was created out of nothing about 13.8 billion years ago. Okay. So there's, there's a, quite a bit of difference in those two, <laughs> two positions as far as the age. Yeah, absolutely. So that kind of puts a perspective of if you're listening, okay, old earth, young earth. Um, and so I would love to get into, because I don't think um, you're taking just science and saying, well, hey, this is what science says. So I don't really care what the Bible says. Well, I'm just going to go with the science. You're, you're not saying that, correct? Absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely not. Uh, the Bible... Uh, is God's revelation to us. Mm -hmm. It's accurate. It's clear. Uh, not as clear in some areas as it is in others, but the Bible is, is without a doubt, accurate. Yes. I'm a, a strict inerrantist. Uh, even as an old earth creationist, I'm an inerrantist. Yeah. In fact, I had to sign a paper to that effect <laughs> to become part of the Reasons to Believe uh, apologetics community. Okay, okay. And uh, uh, it is inerrant. Yeah. So my perspective is that God gives us revelation in the Bible. It's accurate. Okay. God also gives us revelation in nature. The Bible is very clear about that. Yes. Psalm 19, Romans 1. Yes. The heavens declare the glory of God. The things that can be known about God are clearly seen, Paul said. Yeah. And the things that are made. So uh, the idea of God's revelation to us coming to us from two different sources mm -hmm. is very biblical. Absolutely. He has revelation to us in nature, revelation to us in the Bible. Uh, and I believe that those two revelations from God to us, when we interpret them correctly, will always agree. God is the author of the his word. Mm -hmm. He is the author of his world. Yeah. And it, when we... Uh, Sometimes we can perceive that there might be a conflict there, and that's a very common view among uh, most people in the world, that the Bible and science are uh, in, at odds with each other. For sure, yeah. But my perspective is, is when we interpret each of those revelations correctly, they will agree. Yeah, when we look through a microscope or a telescope, we're going yep. gonna to see that it matches what God did in His Word and what He's told us. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, when we see, uh, when there's a, the perception of disagreement between those two revelations, the problem's not with the Bible, mm -hmm. and the problem's not with the facts of nature. The problem is with our interpretation of those two revelations. We can get one wrong, or we can get the other one wrong, or sometimes we get both wrong. Yes. <laughs> and that just tells us we, we've made a mistake somewhere. The problem's yeah. not with God's revelation. 
problem is with human interpretation of that revelation. Yeah, I like that. The interpreters (laughs) sometimes have problems. We're the problem, not God. Absolutely, yes. So God and his world are both always true, but sometimes we misread (laughs) both of those. And there are examples where we have misread the Bible. Yeah. The whole Galileo. Yeah. Yeah, could you talk about that? Yeah, give us a little example. Uh, Well, many years ago... uh, People who read the Bible uh, got the impression from reading the Bible that the earth was the center of the universe and everything out there in the celestial realm was uh, revolving around the earth. Mm -hmm. And they based that on a misinterpretation of the Bible. Okay. And Galileo tried to tell them that the reason they messed up in their their interpretation is they failed to establish... The, Bib- the Bible's frame of reference for their interpretation of the Bible. Okay. And uh, they messed up. <laughs> and we now know, I mean, Galileo looked through his telescope and he could see the phases of Venus just like the phases of the moon, and that told him that the Venus was traveling around the sun just like yeah. we are. Yeah. And he could tell uh, that we were going around the sun rather than vice versa. Yeah. And the, uh, the church has had to apologize to Galileo mm-hmm. about 500 years too late, <laughs> but uh, they have apologized yeah. to Galileo because he was right. Yeah. But there was nothing wrong with what the Bible was saying about that. They were just misinterpreting what the Bible had to say. Yeah. Now, we've also sometimes misinterpreted the facts of nature. For sure. And one good example of that is what is called junk DNA. Okay. I know we're jumping ahead of ourselves. Hey, sounds good. Uh, For many years, uh, geneticists have looked at the human genome and they have uh, thought that a lot of the non-coding DNA in our genome was just junk left over from eons and eons of evolution. Okay. And it had no real function or purpose. And for that reason, they didn't even study it because they thought it was just leftover junk. Okay. Well, if they had read the Bible, they would have uh, understood that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, according to the Bible. Yeah, amen. And and that does not, the idea of God putting all this junk in there that has no purpose does Mm. not fit well with what the Bible would tell us. Okay. Well, it turns out that uh, over the last 10, 20 years, they've began discovering... uh, actual functions and purposes for all that what they once thought was junk (laughs) that's awesome and its purpose is to regulate the expression of the coding dna wow it can it's like a software program that controls other parts of a program yeah yeah and it's and it's it's increased the level of sophistication and complexity of the information processing systems in our genetic makeup Wow, that's so they they misread the science, uh-huh. the facts of nature. Yeah, there, and the early church misread the Bible. Yeah, and, then, and I would say the junk DNA. I would say you would agree points pretty strongly to a creator rather right. than just we're we're sort of random uh, beings. Absolutely, uh, the the nature of uh, DNA is, it's an information processing system. Mm-hmm. It is very similar to a computer program yeah. and a computer yeah. information processing system. Yeah. 
Man, Even incredible. much more sophisticated, Bill Gates said. That's wild. Just to think about, you know. So, uh, in the nature of information itself is it's it's not a physical entity. Yeah. Uh, there is, uh, it can be imposed or downloaded onto a physical, uh, into a physical medium, but the information itself is non-physical. Wow. And in the DNA, it's not the the specific chemicals, it's the sequence hmm. of those chemicals in the hmm. DNA that get, contain the information, just like it's the so sequence. So something's behind it, in other yes, words. <laughs> it's the sequence of the chemicals in the DNA is analogous to the sequence of letters in this Bible that's in front of me. Wow. It is a language. Yeah. And it has grammar rules. It has punctuation. That's that's insane. It is. <laughs> uh, it is. Yeah. It, yeah. Well, we're going to have to that. get you back on a, uh, a episode two of the podcast because uh, I'm that, very fascinated in, uh, man, a lot of other things besides just um, <laughs> the age of the earth. Uh, but I would like to get into, to jump into, okay, when I read Genesis 1, it seems semi-clear that um, there's a day and there's morning and evening and if I'm just reading that, I might assume, well, that's like today. I mean, there was morning today, and then we're going to roll through, you know, 12 hours, and then night's going to come, and that's morning and evening. So I'm going to say today is going to be 24 hours. And some people read Genesis 1 to say, well, there were six days, there were 24 hours. Um, you read that differently. So I'd love for you to explain why you think that word day uh, doesn't actually mean a 24-hour um, day with morning and evening like we have, you know, sunrise, sunset, and that's kind of day one. I understand that perception. I, if if I was just picking up my Bible for the first time and reading it, that's probably the, the what I would get out of it. Yeah. Um, but the Bible was not written in English. It was written in Hebrew. The first chapter of Genesis was. And that word that's translated day in English is the Hebrew word yom. And that Hebrew word yom has four literal definitions. Okay. A lot of people, and your dad did it this past Sunday, yeah. he said he, they speak of the literal yeah. use of the word day, yeah. meaning 24 hours. Yeah. Or I'm well, taking the Bible literal yeah. as what? Well, that 24-hour uh, definition of the word yom is a literal definition of that word. Yeah. But it's only one of four literal definitions, and they're all four used in the Bible. Okay. Um, the word yom can mean all of the, the daylight hours, okay. daytime. Okay. Sunrise to sunset. Okay. It can mean all of a, cal uh, a solar day, 24 hours, or it can mean any part of the daylight hours. It's daytime out there right now. Yeah. So that is day. That okay. is yom. That's a literal use of that word. Okay. And it can also mean a period of time. Okay. Uh, and all four of those definitions are used in the Bible. Okay. So for somebody listening, if word. they're like, really? Are you sure it can be used as a period of time? Is there an example um, from the Bible that you could give that uses it as a period of time rather than... In Joel, the day of the Lord? Yeah. Yeah. That's not one 24-hour day. Yeah. The day of the Lord is a period of time. Genesis yeah. 2, chapter or chapter 2, verse 4, five, the first part of Genesis chapter 2 talks about these are the, the, the generations, or this is the history, in the day that the Lord made the heavens and the earth. And that's the word yom. Yeah. Well, 
uh, most scholars, almost all scholars, agree that when he uses the word day, he's referring to all six of those creation days as one yom. Yeah. Now, whether they were 24 hours or long periods of time, uh, that was a period of time that's longer than 24 hours in that use of the word yom. Okay, so you're you're saying even as we just, without science, just exegeting the text itself— you can come away with, hey, this is either referring to 24 hours or it's referring to a, a period of time. Like both re- of those can be uses of that word. Absolutely. It, it can be. So our job as Bible interpreters is to look at the text and decide, okay, which one of those definitions was Moses meaning when he used that word? The controversy, uh, we'll say here in verse 4, Five. It says, God called the light day, and the dark, darkness he called night. God called the light day, that's the 12 hour, the mm-hmm. daylight hours definition of that word right there in verse 5. But the controversy arises when you attach evening and morning to day. Yeah. Yom. What does he mean when he says that evening was, morning was, day one or day two or three, four, five, or six. Yeah. There's where the controversy lies. Yeah. So give, give us the, uh, what, what's your thought on... Um, what is he meaning when he says morning and evening? Well, uh, the Hebrew words are Arab and Bokur, and they can mean the beginning and the e- ending of the day. Okay. That doesn't tell us how long the day is. It just tells us it's the beginning. That tells us that there was a beginning and an ending to this day, day okay. one, day two, day three, yeah. so on. There was a beginning of that those days, and there was an ending of those days, however long they were. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not necessarily in your mind meaning, okay, the sun set and then the sun rose on those no. morning and evening. And I understand. I, I, I can see how you would interpret it that way because he's talking about the, the light the light part of the day and the dark part of the day. That is a 12-hour use of that word. But uh, this is the only place in Scripture where that particular use of evening and morning with day that is unique to genesis chapter one really okay i think so yeah i didn't realize that that's I'm cool i'm not absolutely certain on that but yeah i, I think i remember that okay yeah um but why so, do i think it's yeah so now give be. us uh maybe the scientific perspective on well, why you think that fits better with what we see through our microscope and telescopes well can i do, do or a take the, the first? yeah do uh, i love Bible. this is the love your bible <laughs> podcast <laughs> Well, let's do a little more Bible before we talk about the science. Yeah. Uh, Why do I think that the author is using the long period of time definition of that word when he pairs it with evening and morning? Well, if we look at days uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6, each of those yoms, those creation days, are begun and ended with that evening and morning phrase. Every one of them. Okay. Then... But when you get to day seven, that evening and morning phrase is conspicuously absent. I don't think that was an oversight on Moses' part or the part of the Holy Spirit. There's a reason why that evening and morning is not paired with the seventh day. Okay. Why do you think that is? You, 
I'll tell you why. I'd love I think for you to it tell is. us. I, yeah, absolutely. I think yeah, because I'm looking at it right here, and it just says uh, on the seventh day, God finished his work, all that he had done, rested on the seventh day from all his work, blessed the seventh day, made it holy, rested from all his work. And it doesn't say evening and morning, day seven, yeah, like it did yeah. on the first six, yeah. does it? So we're not back to like now the, the, the week is not over. It's not, so, not repeating. So why would the, would the author and the Holy Spirit leave that phrase off of the seventh day? I think it's because the seventh day has not ended. Okay. We are in the seventh day, I yeah. believe. Yeah. Right now. Yeah. It So if the seventh day began at the end of the sixth creation day, after he created Adam and Eve, and it's still ongoing, that seventh day would be a, a long period of time, depending on when you think Adam and Eve were created. Yeah. But it certainly would be longer than 24 hours if it is still ongoing, and I believe that is... Yeah. What is going on here on the seventh day? Okay. Now, when we look at the sixth day, if you look at the sixth day in Genesis chapter one, it doesn't give us a lot of detail, does it? Mm-mm. Created a male and female, created them in his image. Yeah. And that's about it. But when you get to... Then Genesis we have chapter two, right? Chapter two <laughs> uh, gives us a lot more detail of some things that went on during uh, day six. Yeah. But if we look at day six in chapter one, uh, I I like to say that Adam and Eve were not the first thing on God's to-do list for the day six, were they? Mm -mm. No, we had animals first, right? We had three different kinds of animals created for man's benefit, I believe, on day six before he created Adam. Mm -hmm. Then he creates Adam, and he gives Adam some things to do mm-hmm. he uh, tells him to tend the plants in the garden doesn't he yep okay now i'm not a farmer but you are takes a little bit okay <laughs> when you plant corn and you tend that corn uh if adam was going to learn how to take care of the plant in the in the context Adam has given Adam dominion mm-hmm. over the every living thing on the earth, all yep. the fish. Then he introduces him to the plant life, and he tells him to tend it, mm-hmm. take care of it. Well, to take care of plants, you have to, you, in my view of what's going on here, Adam is learning how to take care of the plant life on planet earth to exercise his dominion over it as they spread and subdue the earth. Yeah. That, that was their command. Yeah. Okay. That process of tending and taking care of plant life takes time. Mm-hmm. You, you plant it. You, it germinates. You watch it grow. You cultivate it. And God told him to cultivate it, didn't he? Yep. Tend and cultivate it. Uh, so there's some time going on there if he's tending and cultivating plant life. Yep. And then... The next thing God does is he brings the animals that he's created prior to Adam to Adam to see what he will call them, mm-hmm. the Bible says. Yeah. Uh, now, in my commentary that I've just written, I said that uh, Adam was not under no compulsion to hurry up and get that job done. Yeah. God didn't say, Adam, We're name, almost all, these time. An- Adam, the name all these animals. Adam, name all these animals and be quick about it. He yeah. didn't say that. He just brought them to Adam to see what he would name them. 
Now, does it, in my mind, I don't see God running these animals by Adam. And I think there were probably hundreds, maybe thousands of different kinds of animals in the environs of Eden. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't see him run, God running them by him at a fast gallop in single file. And Adam, horse, donkey, zebra, et cetera, et cetera, yeah. et cetera, yeah. as they ran by. Yeah. Uh, in my mind, I see Adam going about his daily business, his work day, and animals being in their natural habitat. Mm-hmm. Adam observing those animals, getting to know them well enough to give them a proper name. Yeah. And that would take some time, especially yeah. for hundreds of different kinds of animals. For sure. Okay. Now, uh, and that's not all that happened to Adam on that day. Adam looked at all these animals, and there was none that was suitable for him, was mm-hmm. there? Yeah. And God said, that's not good. Yeah. I'll make him a helper fit for him, the ESV says. Yeah. So God puts Adam to sleep, mm-hmm. does some kind of surgery. Yeah. I, exactly what's going on there, I'm not sure. Yeah. It doesn't give us a lot of detail. And he takes something from Adam's side. Traditionally, it's a rib. Mm -hmm. We'll go with rib, just for simplicity's sake. Okay. And he, God said, uh, the Bible says, God, from that, God built a woman. Mm -hmm. Okay. He closed the flesh up. Adam recovers from his surgery. How long he was out, the Bible says he was in a deep sleep, just like when we have surgery, we're put to sleep. Yeah. It takes us a while to recover. Drowsy, yeah. Yeah, it takes a while to recover. And when Adam awoke and God brought Eve to Adam, what was the first thing out of his mouth? Now, I think the King James misses it. At last, right? (laughs) Well, the King James says, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Well, now, if I'm Adam and I see Eve, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be that dry. Yeah, yeah. Your dad says he said something like hot dog. Well, <laughs> uh, uh, that catches the, the gist of it. Yeah. But in the Hebrew, it's hapam, mm-hmm. hapam, or something like that. Mm-hmm. And several Bible versions translate that as mm-hmm. at last. last. Yeah. This is now, the song that he sings to her. Yeah. yeah. At last. Yeah. Well, now, if Adam has been created in the sometime after the beginning of day six, and mm-hmm. he's tended the plants, and he's looked at the animals and named them, been put to sleep. His, the first words out of his mouth when he sees Eve, at last, yeah, implying what? Sounds like some time has passed. Some time has passed. He has been alone yeah. in a crowd, I like to say. Yeah. He's been in, alone in a crowd of animals, yeah. but none of them were suitable for him. He could not relate to those animals. Mm. He was lonely. Yeah. God, God saw that. He said, this is not good. I'm going to fix this. And I like to use my sanctified imagination, and uh, I think Adam was saying something like this. Now, God, those animals, well, I, God, I had, you know, I had fun tending mm-hmm. those plants. Mm-hmm. And those animals were even more interesting. Yeah. They are really cool, God. Yeah. I mean, they are fascinating. Yeah. And I really enjoyed getting to know them and naming them. But this one, 
wow, God, you did good here. This one is just like me. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. At last, this one is just like me. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's very clear, to me at least, yeah. that all the events that happened to uh, Adam on day six took quite some period of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How long, the Bible doesn't tell us. But I th- I'm not, this is not original to me. Yeah. Many respected conservative Bible scholars yeah. saw this long before. Yeah, absolutely. I did. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think it's one thing in just reading. So the sixth through, day is a long period of time. It is a long period, yeah. And, and I think the seventh anytime, day is a long period of time. So yeah. they are paired with days one, two, three, four, and five yeah. in the same chronology using yeah. the same yeah. phraseology to evening and morning. Yeah. So I, I would think that days one through two, three, four, and five were also long periods of time. Yeah. If the sixth and the seventh days were long periods of time. Yeah, no, that's good. And I think even just as you're uh, as you're reading your Bible, um, a lot of times when we read it, it's really fast paced. But you got to think, man, a lot of this is taking a long time. I, I do uh, Genesis with sixth graders every year at New Covenant, and you know they ask t- tons of questions like, well, well man, oh, how did how did Seth have like, how are there other people here? And where did these come from? And because we're reading it like it's just boom, boom, boom. Mm-hmm. And it's like, hey, kids, there's like hundreds of years between some of these verses that we're reading. And so, and you've got the first 11 chapters of Genesis, you're dealing with thousands of years before you get to Abraham. So even just we read it fast paced, but in the actual time that's going on, there's a highlight and we're not being told everything. So just even as you're reading Genesis, um, it's not happening quite as quick as you're reading it. I think is one thing to remember just in all of the, you know, the tower of Babel, all those things. It's like, Oh, they built this tower. And then the next day, no, that that's a long period of time. And so even just in your cadence of reading the Bible, play it out, you know, Noah you know, it's as if he built the boat in like one day. Well, there's like a hundred years, years. that passed years. for him to, and we need to think through like, oh, we're reading a very, you know, deta- a very flyby of, there's a lot of things happening here. Well, Noah, or not Noah, uh, Adam lived to be 930 years old. Yeah. Let's think about that. A long time. Okay. That's three times as, as that's like, you know, you think about America. <laughs> that's yeah. like three times older than America. Adam lived to be 930 years old. Now, God gave them the uh, duty to subdue the earth and take dominion and subdue over yeah. the earth and subdue yeah. it. Yeah. And that was their instructions. Yeah. I think God was preparing Adam to do just that mm-hmm. when he was tending the plants yeah. and getting to know the animal life because that was going to be a big part of human civilization would, would be agricultural. Yeah. The, the first, almost all of human history has been agriculturally based. Yeah. Plants and animals. Yeah. And I think that was Adam's on-the-job training yeah. there in the Garden of Eden yeah. to do what God had instructed him to do, yeah. to have dominion over and to subdue the earth. Adam lived to be 930 years old. Now, yeah. if we think about it, a few years or even a few decades of on-the-job training to get Adam ready to do what God had in, had prepared for them to do. Yeah. 
is negligible mm-hmm. in a lifespan of 930 years. Absolutely. Yeah. So a few decades of getting him ready before he was even introduced to Eve mm-hmm. is not out of the question in my mind. Yeah. And it makes it to where even like the fall in Genesis 3, you know, I feel like in just reading, it's like, well, God created him in day six. The next day, <laughs> they ate an apple, they fell, everything went wrong. And it's like, well, there was probably... A long time Who when knows? they they walked with God and fellowshiped with God Absolutely. and enjoyed the beauty of the garden and um, perhaps the uh, you know their their time with God was longer than just a day in paradise um, before everything went wrong. Yeah. So uh, just from careful reading of the Bible, yeah. I, I from my perspective, it becomes uh, obvious that it, it we should at least be open. Yeah. To those days being longer than 24 hours. Yeah. Just from looking at the Bible itself. Yeah. Like and there's that. other creation passages in the Bible that give us more insight into these creation days. Okay. In Job, Psalms, Proverbs. Okay. Even in the New Testament. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite is Psalm 104. And we look at some things that happened in Psalm 104. Yeah, well, if you're if you're following along with your Bible, you can flip there. So we're we're going there right now. Psalm 104 is a uh, the the heading in my Bible right under Psalm 104 says Psalm rehearsing creation. Okay. And most scholars agree that this Psalm pretty much goes through the creation days of Genesis one pretty much in order. Okay. Yeah. Uh, although I can see maybe some overlap on days five and six, but that's a minor issue. Okay. But, but you can see, if you read it carefully, you can see the creation days in this Psalm in order. Um, many scholars believe that David used Genesis one as kind of a template to write this song. Cool. Yeah. And, and he gives a lot of detail in Psalm 104. That's not in Genesis one. Hmm. And the same is true about uh, the creation passages in Job and okay. Proverbs. Yeah. Uh, and not would that always, be Would that be Job 38? Is that what yes, you're referring that's, to? Yes, that's the primary yeah. passage. Yeah. Uh, so our interpretation of, uh, let's say, Romans and James, okay. on the doctrine of salvation. Yeah. Those are... Those are kind of difficult to reconcile, aren't uh-huh. they? Yeah, yeah. Is it faith? Is it works? Are they? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, but we need to, to get our doctrine of creation down solid mm-hmm. in our minds. We need to look at both of those passages, don't yeah. we? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and get them to fit together somehow because they're both God's Word. Yes. They're not going to contradict each other when we interpret them correctly, will, yes. will they? Yes, yes. Same thing with... Uh, Natural revelation and special revelation, facts of nature in the Bible, but also the different creation accounts in the Bible, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Genesis 1 and 2. Yeah. That our understanding of all those different passages dealing with creation need to harmonize. Yeah, absolutely. So let's take a quick look at Psalm 104. Okay. By the time we get to go through days 1, 2, 3, and 4, we get to day 5, and... uh, Let's back up and, and, and get a little overview of Psalm 104. That is, this song is David's uh, song that he wrote to praise God for his wisdom in creation. But not only his wisdom, but his providential care in the creation. Gosh. And in this psalm, if you read it carefully, you will see 
David switching back and forth from uh, God, what God did in creation and how that cashes out to us and God's other creatures in what we call God's providential care for us. Okay. So he'll say, God did this in creation, and then he'll say something about how that benefits us okay, or the cool. animals. Yeah. Okay. So in verse 24, he says, O God, or O Lord, how manifold are your works. In wisdom you have made them all. Okay. So he's, he's praising God for all that he's created. The earth is full of your possessions, this great and wide sea in which are innumerable teeming things. Now, if you read uh, verses, verse 25, and then if you think back about creation day 5 in Genesis 1, 20, 21, in that place, mm-hmm. they sound very similar. Mm-hmm. Well, this is, and this, this is right after he's described what looks like creation day 4, because mm-hmm. they are in order. Mm-hmm. Okay, in this great uh, wide sea that's full of innumerable teeming things, living things both great and small. Now, he switches back from what God did in creation. He created all these animals in the sea, just like Genesis 1, 20, okay. 21. And he, he, he shows us how that cashes out into providential care. There, the great ships sail about. And there's the Levi- Leviathan, which you have made to play there. We use the sea for useful navigation. That's how it, one of the ways it benefits us. Okay, yeah. But now let's look at these animals. Verse 25, these all wait for you. He's referring to those innumerable teeming things that he's created on day five. Okay. They all wait for you that you may give them their food in due season. That's the providential care. Okay. What you give them, they gather in. You open your hand, they are filled with good. Life is good. God's providing for them. He's created them. He provides for them. What you give them, they gather in. You get, they gather in. You open your hand, they are filled with good. Things change in verse 29. Okay. And it can be disconcerting to okay. keep reading. Okay. You hide your face. Now, in the Bible, when it talks about God letting his face shine upon something, he's mm-hmm. blessing them. He's yeah. providing for them. Isn't it? Yeah. That's okay. He hides his face. I've, I think that is a poetic way of saying he turns his back on them. Okay. So what's he doing? He's withdrawing that providential care. Okay. Why would he do that? Yeah. And this is to the animals, correct? Yes. This yeah. is to the animals. Okay. You hide your face. They are troubled. Read the next line. You. Who's that talking about? God. God. Mm-hmm. You take away their breath. They die. And return to their dust. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wasn't expecting that. Yeah. God's created these animals. He's provided for them. Life is good. Mm-hmm. He turns his back on them, withdraws his providential care, and he takes away their breath. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I don't like that, but that's what David said. Mm-hmm. Was David wrong? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, then the very next verse you send forth your spirit they are created and the word there is barah just like in genesis 1 Got genesis it. 1 and 20 21 yeah and then when he created adam and eve that Got word barah used three times in genesis chapter one creation of the universe creation of uh advanced animal life mm-hmm. and the creation of human beings yeah 
Same word. So this is God creating animals. It's very plain. He yeah. says, you, they are created, bara, and you renew. And that word renew in the Hebrew means to rebuild okay. the face of the earth. So let's go through that. God has created these animals. He's, he provides for them. He quits providing for them. Mm -hmm. He kills them off. Okay. Not directly, but indirectly by withdrawing his pro providential care. Yeah. And they die. And then he sends forth his spirit and he creates more to do what? Replace the ones that, were ju that just died off. Yeah. Okay. So if this fifth creation day that David is referring to here in Psalm 104, it's 24 hours. Mm -hmm. Let's look at what God does. He has created these animals. Okay. He provides for them. Then he kills them off and creates more in 24 hours. Yeah. Do you see a problem there? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I see a big problem there. That yeah. makes absolutely no sense to me. Yeah. That God would create animals, provide for them, <laughs> kill them off, and create more to take their place yeah. in 24 to 48 hours, depending on whether this includes days five and six or just day five. Yeah, I gotcha. But whether yeah. it's 24 or 48 hours, yeah. there's a big problem there. Yeah. So why do you think a longer period of time fits better with kind of what we see in the world and with this particular okay. text? Let's think about Genesis chapter 1. What is God doing when he starts out with this formless and void planet? He starts changing it, doesn't mm -hmm. he? One step at a time, one yom at a time. First thing he does, give us light. Then he says something about the expanse and the waters above and waters below, then dry land, yep. then the lights in the sky, then animals, and then more yep. animals and humans. Okay? Yes, yeah. But he's changing this formless and void place, formless and void, tohu, Wabohu, or mm -hmm. something like that, means it's it's not suitable for life and yep. it's empty of life at the beginning. And God begins changing this planet one step at a time, like yep. peeling an onion. Yeah. Uh, so in Psalm 104, these animals, if if these days are long periods of time, as God as the planet is changing, and the in the Genesis chapter one documents those ma major changes in order. Mm -hmm. So God is changing this planet over time. And if those are long periods of time, as the conditions on earth change okay. while those animals are living here, it becomes necessary that these animals are not uh, as well adapted to this particular environment now as they were a long time ago. Okay, The earth is changing. So now we need different animals to better suit and fit in the ecosystem. Okay. So God hides his face. Okay. Takes away their breath. They die and return to the dust. Then he creates new animals to rebuild the ecosystem to fit the conditions of the earth at that particular time. Okay. And I believe okay. that's what's going on. When you combine Genesis chapter 1 and yeah. the extra detail we see in Psalm 104. Okay. Let, let me chase a rabbit. I don't know okay. if you, you probably see this coming. Does this... Uh, or does dinosaurs fit into this? <laughs> dinosaurs, I would, uh, they're not mentioned in the Bible, I don't think. I don't think the Leviathan, some people think they are, but yeah. uh, the Bible doesn't give us an exhaustive list of all the animals God created. Yes, for sure. Uh, we get the highlights, okay? 
the fossil record testifies of about a half billion, with a B as in boy, okay. bi- half a billion different species that have lived at one time or another on this planet. Okay. At any one given time, there's just several million at okay. any one given time. Okay. But there have been a half a billion on this planet. Uh, what was your question? I'm, I'm well, just... the <clears throat> your mention about like he made animals, and then you know as the Earth gets more yeah. inhabitable, there's new animals to kind of fit that new environment. So would that be? I'm just using my imagination. Could it be that? Dinosaurs, oh, dinosaurs fit oh. in the older version of okay. the inhabitable planet. Oh, okay. And then dinosaurs. as God got yes, to, dinosaurs. you know, more closer to Adam and Eve, um, dinosaurs would not have been here anymore. Right. Yeah. Um, is that kind of how you see that fitting Dinosaurs in? were here and they, they went extinct. Uh, in fact, there were three major groups of dinosaurs over three different eras. There was the Triassic, Jurassic, and the Cretaceous dinosaurs. Yeah. And uh, like all other animals, the, the Triassic dinosaurs show up rather suddenly in the fossil record. Okay. Fully formed. Yeah. It's just like they, boom, they're there in the fossil record. Where'd they come from? Yeah. Well, I think God created them. Yeah. And they exist for, I don't know, 50, 100, 150 million years. Okay. And then a big asteroid rock hits the earth, and those Triassic dinosaurs are wiped out. And then very rapidly, the Jurassic dinosaurs appear in the fossil record, and they exist for a hundred million years or so, and they're wiped out. And then the Cretaceous dinosaurs show up very suddenly, fully formed, and they're completely different from the ones that were before them, the Jurassic, and they exist for quite a while. And in a big space rock hits the Yucatan Peninsula in Mexico, and they're wiped out. We have found the crater. Where that uh, asteroid hit, okay. the debris ring went all the way up to t- the state of Tennessee. Wow! From the Yucatan Peninsula, hmm. Mexico. Wow! Uh, and that was the end of the dinosaurs. Okay. And you know what happened after that? It's called the Great Mammalian Ra- Radiation. But do you see a pattern here that sounds familiar with what we just read? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And you would say that that. What David says here fits well with absolutely our fits fossil well. record. Absolutely, what we see, yeah, because it talks. So I want to in Genesis, we're getting a very quick synopsis. We're getting more detail yeah. in Psalm one hundred four. Yeah, uh, but the fossil record shows many mass extinction events followed quickly followed by mass speciation events. Okay, what Darwin predicted is not matched in the fossil record whatsoever. Okay. And he was aware of that yeah. discrepancy. He thought that all of these animals uh, were descended from one common ancestor. Okay. And we would get various kinds very gradually. You start out with one, then a few, and then you gradually diversify into many different kinds. Okay. That's not what the fossil record shows. The okay. fossil record shows sudden appearance, great diversity, and they exist for a period of time, mass extinction events. They're replaced by different, totally different animals. Okay. And this happens several times in the fossil record. Okay. We see this happening, or it's described very accurately, I believe, yeah. in Psalm 104. God creates animals. He provides for them. Life is good. Then he turns his back, wipes them out, and replaces them. Yeah. 
Okay. And we see a very, I think, amazing consistency yeah. with what David recorded in Psalm 104 about these animals and what we see in the fossil record. So we've got a concordance of what the Bible teaches, mm -hmm. God's special revelation, yeah. with what we see in the facts of nature yeah. in paleontology. Yeah. So you mentioned your, um, Darwinian evolution. Uh, you know, I think some will assume since you're old earth, you also believe in Darwinian evolution. Would that be false? That would be absolutely false. Okay. Ex explain a little bit of why you think, hey, the, wor the world is old, but also Darwinian evolution is also not true according to scripture and science. Uh, it's not compatible with Scripture. Uh, the Bible says that God created all these animals. If you read Genesis chapter 1, he says the word according to their kinds or after their own kind over and over and over again, doesn't he? Yeah. What does that mean? It means the this kind is distinct from that kind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He didn't create one and it slowly morphed into a completely different kind. He said the Bible is pretty clear about he created this kind, yeah. and he created that kind. Yeah. So I don't think that's at all compatible with a slow, gradual, step-by-step -step process of change morphing from one kind into another kind. Yeah. The Bible's, I don't think, is compatible with that idea. Some Christians do believe in evolution. That's, that view is called theistic evolution. And I actually went through a period of theistic evolution in between... Um, I was an atheist at one time. Yeah. When I got okay. to college, all of this uh, and, and the, the old earth, young earth was a, a big part of it because I saw very clearly that the facts of nature were saying that the earth was very old. Yeah. And I finally come to the conclusion, and I was, I was taking geology classes, and they brought in the biology professor one day in class and showed us how evolution explained it all. And I just, I bought it hook, line, and sinker. I was hmm. like 19 year old. I didn't have, <laughs> I didn't know anything. Yeah. And I just walked out of that Blackburn Science Building on the Murray State campus, walking by the baseball field there where the industry and technology building is now. And one day, and I said, there is no God. Mm. And I declared myself an atheist. Yeah. And it took about 10 years for me to get over that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I still didn't have answers to those questions uh, yeah. ab about how do I reconcile what I believe the Bible teaches with what I see in nature. Okay. But in the intervening 40, 50 years, mm -hmm. uh, I've read and studied extensively for the last 30 or so years, and I, it has been the great joy of my life yeah. Yeah. to see how well what God recorded in his Bible matches what with what we know about the record of nature. It yeah. is amazingly accurate. Yeah, absolutely. We know it's your joy. It's uh, <laughs> Some of you listeners don't know, but uh, Jimmy had a heart calf like a few days ago. <laughs> and so I'm like, hey, we can reschedule. He's like, nope, I'm going to be there. And so he's uh, very passionate about creation and just how the Lord has just worked in his life. And I hope listening, you're able to see, hey, this guy believes old earth because of the Bible. Um, it's not just as a scientist, he's trying to, you know, uh, get away from the Bible and well, if, if science says this, then I'm just going to go with that. He's, he's taking, Hey, I'm going to believe God's word first and foremost, but actually I think the scripture and science are actually not at odds with each other, they're but I think they not. are explaining one another very well. Well, they're both God's, uh, they're both, uh, he, God is the author of his word and he's the author of his world. Yes. If yes. we understand them correctly, they will agree.
Yeah. He's the author of both. Uh, getting back to uh, – oh, I've lost my train of thought. But. Yeah, I, I do think uh, – yeah, 24, I think that's let, – let's get away from – I think for most of us, you're either convinced or not that days are old by now. I would love to get into – because this was – really fascinating to me and I know um I don't even know how long we've been rolling probably close to an hour so I know this is a lot for listeners but uh hey if you want to come back to this you can um so when I read Genesis 4 or I'm sorry Genesis 1 day 4 it just seems to be hey God made the sun and the moon on day 4 put them in the put them in the uh heavens as signs and seasons to give light to the day and uh, light to the night, and so you would say, well, actually, um, the sun and moon were created before day four, and yes. so I would love for you just to explain to a listener why you believe the sun and moon were actually created before day one rather than on day four. Okay. Uh, in the very first verse of the Bible, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Uh, that Hebrew phrase, heavens and the earth, I'm not going to try to pronounce it. I'll butcher it. Okay. You've read it. Yeah. You've seen it. Yeah. Hashemayim Eretz or something like that. Uh, that is not, uh, if we look at the definition of the word heavens and the definition of the word earth, we get two different definitions, don't we? Yeah. But when you put those two together, I think you mentioned that our meeting the other day, that's called a merism. Mm-hmm. I've, yeah. read, I've mm-hmm. read that before. Yeah. Uh, it's really talking about everything out there in the heavens to here on the earth. That's their way of expressing everything from out there to here. Well, what, what is that? That's everything they can see. Yeah. That's the Hebrew, ancient Hebrew way of saying everything that is. Absolutely. Talking about Everything that exists physically. Yes. They didn't have a word for universe, yeah. did they? No. This is the way they would express everything that is. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, says something very similar. Yeah. He says, he, uh, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was, was God. He was in the beginning with God. And everything that was created, he created, mm-hmm. and there was nothing made that he didn't make. Yeah, he's referring sure. to Jesus there. Yeah. So he's saying the same thing. Everything that was created, he created it. Yes. Same thing is in here. Everything that has ever been existed physically is created right there in verse 1. Yeah. Not in its present form, yeah. of course. But the definition of the heavens and the earth, the whole universe, includes what? The stars and the planets. Uh so I think the, the definition of that, that Hebrew phrase would include the sun and the stars. Okay. Okay? Yeah. Now. Which a little pushback, I guess I could say, well, in that first verse, human beings are not created. No, but the, the stuff that we're made out of was. Yes. But you could, I guess All you could argue. All physical reality, it was the, in existence. It's the just sun... Not a, might have been there, but it wasn't the sun. It was like just, just yeah. hydrogen. Yeah, just whatever. That's so. possible, but I, I, but I'm not done. Hey, continue. <laughs> I'm just, uh, you know, I, I okay. like to push a little bit. That's okay. The uh, first verse is talking about the universe as a whole. Yes. Then the frame of reference or the perspective shifts very dramatically in verse two, and a lot of people miss that, and that messes up their interpretation for the rest of the. 
creation narrative, I think. Okay, so listener, listen up. This is going to be big. This is very important. Uh, in verse 1, our perspective is the entire universe. Verse 2, the perspective shifts to where? Planet Earth. The Earth. Now, he's talking about the Earth, the land. He's not talking about what we think of as planet Earth. They didn't have a concept of a spherical globe seen from a, a spaceship orbit, orbiting the moon. They didn't yeah. have that perspective as we do. It was the, the land, all the land. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Okay. So where is God at this? And this establishes our perspective for interpreting the rest of this creation account. Okay. It's, God, it's from God's perspective, but God's perspective is where? Hovering above the surface of the waters of planet Earth. Okay. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> and it was dark. And I like to say. Yeah, face of the deep. Dark where? Yeah. It was dark here mm-hmm. on the surface of the ocean. Okay. Could that imply? I, I don't, this is not a, an ironclad argument, but it opens the possibility that if it was, the Bible says it was dark here. Okay. Does that open the possibility that it was not dark everywhere? If it says it's dark in this specific location, I think that implies that it's possibly not dark everywhere in the universe. Okay. It's, just, it's dark here. So the stars could be shining. Yes. Is what you're saying. Could. Yeah. But why was it dark? Well... Let's keep going. It was dark here over the surface of the waters. Okay. What's the very next thing he says? Let there be light. God said, light be. Yeah. Your dad said yeah. Sunday. Yeah. And Light be. Yeah. Light be where? Yeah. In the context. What's the, con- what's the immediate yeah. context? On earth. Their face of the, their face uh, of the deep. Surface yeah. of the deep. Yeah. Yeah. Context is everything. Yeah, let there be light on planet Earth. On the surface right? of the deep. Yeah. That, it was dark here. The next thing he says is let the light be. Obviously in the context is let the light be where I just said it was dark. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. That's that's just that just makes a whole lot of sense. Okay. Okay. What was the light and why was it dark? That's that's the question that's you're the asking question. me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. What, why what was, was it light? dark? If the sun is up there, why is it dark? Mm-hmm. Genesis doesn't tell us, does it? Mm-hmm. It just says it was dark. And let, let light be there where it was dark. Genesis doesn't tell us at all. Yeah. But other passages of Scripture in the Bible do tell us why it was dark. Explicitly tell okay. us exactly why it was dark. Okay. That is Job chapter 38. All right, I've got Job 38 opened. Okay, right, what's going, going on in Job chapter 38? This is another creation account. Okay. Get more detail. Uh, a little background. Job and his friends have been having a, an extended discussion for several chapters about Job's plight. Mm-hmm. Job has he's had a few bad days. couple. <laughs> <laughs> really bad days. And he's complaining to God, and his friends are trying to blame it on Job, and uh, and they're they're going back and forth. And finally, I think God gets tired of listening to him, and God says, "What? Shut up, <laughs> y'all! Shut up and listen." 
Yeah. Who do you think you are to question me yeah. about your plight, Job? Yeah. I'm God. You're not. I'm sovereign. Who do you think you are to question my motives in allowing your calamities mm-hmm. and the calamities in your life? You have no right to question me. Yeah. I'm going to question you, Job, and you answer me. Okay. Okay. That's, that's the background yeah. of Job chapter 38. So he starts questioning Job, and he questions him th- in the realm of creation. And he goes through, uh, gives us quite a bit of detail about uh, creation in here. He questions him, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have an understanding. Who determined its measurements, or who stretched the line upon it? What were its, to what were its foundations fastened, or who laid its cornerstone? You see the, the uh, imagery there? God is building planet Earth, yeah. and he gives us some imagery that we're familiar with. Laid the cornerstone, laid the foundations. When we build a house, we, we lay a foundation, mm-hmm. stretched a line upon it. How many times have you seen carpenters and block layers stretch a line to oh, yeah. get things nice and straight? Yeah. I've done it myself. For sure. You have too. Yep. Uh, that's imagery of building something. He's not building a house. He's building planet Earth. Or who shut in the sea with doors when it burst forth and issued from the womb? Okay. This is birthing imagery. This is, this is a poetic description of creation. Job is saying... We're in verse 8, if you're yes, listening. Yes, verse along. 8. Who shut in the sea with doors when it burst forth and issued from the womb? This is a the, the imagery of this newborn ocean the ocean is brand new okay does that uh, remind us of something in genesis chapter one Mm. it was was dark on the face of the deep he just created the heavens and the earth it's dark on the face of the deep and the spirit of god was hovering over the surface of the waters and it was dark yep in genesis chapter one yeah okay job is talking or god is talking about this brand new ocean that's just been born who shut in the sea with doors when it burst forth and issued from the womb when I made, God, made the clouds its garment, and what? Thick darkness its swaddling band. Mm-hmm. More birthing imagery, swaddling. Yeah. But what does God associate with the darkness on this newborn ocean? Clouds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. God himself. This is a, an example yeah. of chiasmus. Or, yeah. How do you pronounce that? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, chiasmus. Yeah, Hebrew chiasmus. Say something and say it again in a different way. Mm-hmm. He says, "I made the clouds its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band." That's chiasmus. Mm-hmm. Saying the same thing twice. Yeah. So the clouds are the cause of the darkness on this newborn ocean. Mm-hmm. Wow. So why was it dark on the face of the deep in Genesis chapter one? Yeah. God told us it was because I wrapped it in clouds. Mm-hmm. Thick clouds. Yeah. And it was dark. So Job, or God in Job, yeah. tells us exactly why it was dark on the surface of the deep. Okay. How do clouds, how are clouds normally associated with darkness on the surface of the earth? It's bright and sunny today. There's yeah. no clouds they're, out they're there. They're blocking the sun, right? The, sun, <laughs> the clouds block the sunlight, yeah. don't they? Yeah. Okay. There you go. Yeah. There's the Bible's answer yeah. to why it was dark on the surface of the deep in Genesis chapter 1. Yeah. The clouds were blocking the sunlight. Okay. And so then when God says, let let but let light be, what's happening there that changes, now we can, okay. we can see light. And that's where we get into the science. Okay. 
the Bible doesn't tell us what God did. He just said, light, light, let light be. Okay. Uh, we now know from geophysics and physics that any planet forming with the mass of the Earth is going to form with an initially extremely thick atmosphere. Okay. Okay. Take Venus, for example. Venus is slightly less massive than Earth. Okay. Its atmosphere is 91 times thicker than our present atmosphere on Earth. Okay. 91 times. Okay. And on Venus, the surface of the planet is dark. Why? Because the atmosphere is so thick that no light can penetrate that atmosphere. Okay. The early Earth would have been even more so. The early Earth's original atmosphere was 200 times thicker than it is now. Okay. 200 times. Okay. No light could have possibly reached the surface. Okay. But do you see the, the concordance between what the Bible says in Genesis chapter 1, Job 38? Yeah, explains what, the, the, the dark cloud, the, the swaddling band, the clouds. The clouds yeah. were causing darkness. Well, modern science was a f- few thousand years catching up to the Bible, but we've now figured out the very same thing that the Bible said. Okay. There was thick clouds on the early earth blocking the sunlight, causing darkness. What happened to remove the, those clouds, to let light through? God spoke. <laughs> well. I'm the theologian over here. That sounds well, good. Uh, you, you give me the science. Uh, we talked about this the other day. God performs miracles in more than one way, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. He has what we some people call transcendent miracles. The loaves and the fishes, water, wine, creation of the universe. Yeah. Something just creates it. Boom, it's there. Yeah. And then God also performs miracles by doing what? Controlling the timing and location and severity of what? Natural processes. Mm-hmm. Uh, parting of the Red Sea. Yeah. What did God do? Caused an east wind to blow all night long. Yeah. Pushed that water away yeah. so they could walk across on dry land. Was that a transcendent miracle? Or was that God working through the laws of physics and nature that he set up? Yeah. Controlling the timing location of those natural processes. Yeah. Uh, the plagues in Egypt, the frogs and the locusts, and, mm-hmm. you know, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Those were natural things. But God controlled the timing, the location, and the severity of it, didn't he? Yeah. So God performs miracles transcendently or by what some people call hypernaturalistic. Okay. Hypernaturalism. In other words, yeah. he controls the timing, location, and severity. Yeah. severity. Uh, I believe what happened uh, was the moon forming event. Now, this has uh, been, been worked on for the last 20 or 30 years. Uh, the moon was formed when a planet roughly the size of Mars collided with the early pri- the primeval Earth. And that collision blew away almost all the Earth's original life-suffocating atmosphere. If that, hadn't, if that collision event had not happened, life would have been forever impossible on this planet okay. because there would have been no light that could have reached the surface, and without light, you can't have life. Uh, the atmospheric pressure was so high that lungs would have never been able to function. Okay. So this was not a catastrophic catastrophic event this was a very uh, beneficial event okay okay 
it blew away almost all the atmosphere, okay? And in doing so, it allowed light to do what? Reach the surface of the earth. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the debris from that collision went into orbit around planet Earth, coalesced by gravitational attraction, and formed what we see as the moon now. But this moon formation event, uh, one of the researchers that was working on the the modeling to uh, explain how we got our moon, and our moon is very, very unique. And it is very necessary for life on this planet. Yeah. Without it, yeah, oceans, we, tides. I mean, everything is everything is, is yeah. tied to the moon. Uh, it, it stabilizes the Earth's axial tilt, so we've got signs, seasons. Mm-hmm. And it, the Bible says that it's yeah. signs, yeah. seasons, days, and years. Uh, but this this moon formation event, one of the researchers that was working on the modeling to explain this, our anomalous moon. Our moon is different from any other moon on any other planet. Hmm. It's huge compared to any other moon okay. by, compared to our side, the size of this planet. He said all the conditions that were necessary to get this moon that we've got have led to, in his words, philosophical disquiet among all the researchers. Hmm. Why? Because it looks like, in, in their own words, it was almost miraculous. Yeah. All the things that had to be meticulously fine-tuned and orchestrated to get this particular moon. Yeah. That, he said it had led to philosophical disquiet. Well, why did, had it led to philosophical disquiet? Because it looked like it defied any possible naturalistic explanation. Hmm. It looked like a miracle. Yeah. Maybe a supernatural occurrence. Well, it was a miracle, yeah. a hypernatural yeah. miracle. Yeah. God was in complete control of that collision. Yeah. It had to be just the right size planet, traveling at just the right speed, had to hit it just the right angle, mm-hmm. and on and on and on and on and on. And that's what led this guy to say all of these details that had to be just so perfect to get this moon that is so beneficial to this earth. Yeah. Couldn't it have just happened? It led to philosophical disquiet, he said, because their definition of science just says that supernatural, miraculous intervention is not allowed. Mm-hmm. We have to explain it from strictly blind natural processes, and they couldn't. Yeah. It didn't make sense hmm. from their perspective of blind naturalistic processes. Yeah. It looked too much like a miracle. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. So... That yeah. collision blew away the atmosphere. Now light can get through. But you still can't see the sun and the moon. Hmm. If today was a cloudy day, if you yeah. looked out there, well, today you look out and say, boy, the sun is sure shining, shining bright today, isn't it? Yes, yes. But now if it, it was is, cloudy out there. It is a Tuesday there, morning and it is beautiful. Yes. But now what if it, today was cloudy and rainy? Yeah. You couldn't see the sun, could you? No. But you still could get light through, couldn't yeah. you? That's what it was like on day one. Yeah. The atmosphere had cleared enough that it light was getting through, but you still couldn't see the sun or the moon directly from the surface of the earth. Yeah. And that's why it doesn't mention it, because our perspective is what? The surface of the earth. If you were standing on the surface of the planet, uh, at this time you'd have to have a boat. Yeah. Uh, you could not see the sun and the moon, but light would be getting through. Yeah. The atmosphere had gone from opaque light, impenetrable. Yeah. To translucent, 
Yeah. Light can get through, but you can't see. It's not transparent yet. Yeah. It would take future events to tra transform the atmosphere from translucent to transparent, and you get to that on day four. Okay. Well, let's go. Um, let Let's go there. Let's go to day four. Tell us the events that that led to now. So, if you're listening, um, you might have thought, "Hey, uh, day four, God made sun and the moon. We have songs about that. <laughs> like mm -hmm. that makes sense." Um, now you might be thinking through, "Okay, well, maybe it was the sun and moon were there. We just couldn't see them." And so, if you go to Job 38, and so now explain to us how in day four. Um, what seems to be God made these sun, moon, um, give us a different perspective on maybe what that could have meant in day four, why you would say it's not a made in, you know, okay. Barah spoke them into existence in that moment, okay. but that they were there, but now we're able to see them. Okay. Well, for one thing, it doesn't say God created them on okay. day four. It says he made them. You notice that? Mm -hmm. It doesn't say Barah or create. It says God made two great lights. Yeah. Greater to rule the day and the lesser to rule the night. Yeah. Okay. That word made is asa or mm -hmm. something like that. And it means to form or fashion, manufacture. Yeah. Okay. From pre-existing materials. Yeah. So this is not create out of nothing. Okay. The, uh, Genesis chapter 1 uses about four different verbs each with subtly different meanings. This is make or manufacture from pre-existing materials. But also, the English straight past tense, I believe, kind of misses the mark. Okay. And that's why I wanted you to read page 61 of Gleason yep, Archer's yep, book. I, I did. Yep. Okay. He explained it well. Yeah, but listeners have not read that. No, so they what, haven't. Uh, so anyway, uh, that Hebrew verb there is in the form that can can convey completed action yeah. sometime in the past. Do you know, I got a question, just curious. Do you know, are there any Bible translations that translate it past tense? You mean in the... Like English translations? It, I'm not sure. Okay. Uh, I think there are. Okay. I'm not sure, but I think some of them might say had made, but I'm not sure about okay. that. They yeah. may or may not. You, you can Google that, listener, but, if you want to check anyway, that out. Uh, my authority here is Gleason Archer. Okay. Uh, and if people don't know who he is, he is one of the most, maybe maybe the most respected Hebrew scholar in church history. Okay. Uh, he's he's not a lightweight. Yeah. actually got to get within four foot of him one time <laughs> at a conference in California. Uh he says that is better rendered God had made two great lights. Okay. Sometime in the past. Okay. doesn't say yep. when. Uh, but according to our definition of heavens and earth, verse 1, I believe it was created then. Okay. Uh, we need to back up to day three. Yeah, and if you want to give us kind of the order, you know, however you feel like you need to best explain to us why, how how we get from there to here. Like, you. okay. Uh, <clears throat> one of the, I, I develop a pattern in the commentary. I've just finished writing about how God is, uh, everything he does. You've mentioned the commentary a few times. What do you want to tell us about it for a second? Is this something we can buy? Is it on no, the, on not, the shelf? What, not, what does no, this no, look no, like? No, not yet. I, it's still in the very 
rough first draft version. Okay. So the commentary I'm writing, would that be right? Well, I'm pretty much past done. it, present well, it. So let's yeah. have you made the sun or is it? <laughs> uh, I have written it. it. It's pretty much done. I've still got editing and proofing. Okay. So and, we still need a little bit of day four of the commentary. Yeah, you still need a little forming. It's it's not it's not in its final form. We'll just okay. put it that okay. way. But anyway. So yeah, if listener be looking for that, we'll definitely let you guys know when that comes out. Um, uh, everything God does in this creation account in Genesis chapter one, if you look at it, and I have looked at it for thirty years now, yeah, it's it's very plain to me that everything He does is in preparation for what He's going to do next or in the future. Okay. For example. Let's just go through it really quick. Okay. How yeah. much time do we have? Yeah, we're good. Okay. Uh, day one, it was dark, and God said, let there be light. Okay. Light where? On the surface of the water. Okay. So the first thing God did in starting to transform this formless and void planet was to let light reach the surface of the earth. Mm-hmm. And the yeah. ultimate goal is living things. I think we would all agree on that. Yeah. Ultimately, he wants animal. He wants lions and tigers and bears. Oh my! Yeah, and humans. So the first thing is light has to get here. If you if you don't have light on this planet, you don't have life. So yeah. So that's the first step. Day two, uh, he does something in the atmosphere. He divides the waters above from the waters below. Okay. What are the waters above? Your dad said that's the atmosphere. Okay. Where the clouds are. The yeah. waters below, obviously the ocean. Yeah. So what does, I think what's going on on day two is God is establishing a water cycle. Okay. Okay. Waters above, waters in the atmosphere, clouds, rain, and waters below, ocean. Okay. Yeah. How do you, uh, now what happens when you let the light on day one hit the surface of the formerly dark ocean? What happens when light hits water? Probably going to evaporate. It evaporates. I remember does, this from early days. <laughs> yeah, elementary school. Yeah. Light There's hits the water. the water cycle. On day one, on day two, you get what? Clouds forming mm-hmm. and the water's above. Okay. So yeah. it takes the energy from the sun hitting the surface of the formerly dark ocean on day one to provide for and kickstart the water cycle on day two. Yeah. So what he did on day one prepared for what he was going to do on day two, didn't it? Yeah. Okay. Day two, you've got a, a water cycle established. What happens on day three? Dry land. Mm-hmm. And what? Plants. Oh, let me think about that. What do plants on dry, well, plant, what do plants need? Mm-hmm. Well, they need dry land. Yeah, and sun. And they need sunlight, and they need what? Water, mm-hmm. rain. Yeah. So what God did on days one and two was preparing for what he did on day three. Yeah. You need light and water, rain, day one, day two, to provide for the plants on the dry land on day three, don't you? Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, that makes sense? Yeah, you for sure. You see a rational, orderly progression. Mm-hmm. God is preparing this formless and void earth for us eventually, yeah. one step at a time. Okay. So he's got dry land and plants growing now. But the air is still... The atmosphere is still just translucent. Okay. You can get light, but you still can't see the sun, moon, stars. Yeah. Okay. What, how's he going to change that translucent atmosphere to transparent, where you can actually see from the surface of the dry land, the sun, moon, stars? How's he going to change that atmosphere from translucent to transparent? Well, 
when you're forming continents, dry land, that creates a lot of tectonic activity. Okay. They discovered it in the 60s and 70s. Okay. And within my lifetime. Yeah. Your lifetime. No, not quite. Yeah. <laughs> I'm an 80s kid. <laughs> <laughs> not quite. But anyway, in my lifetime, yeah. they've discovered tectonic activity, and that's how the continents were built. Okay. They didn't always know that there wasn't dry land on planet Earth. Mm. That's been discovered in my lifetime. Yeah. Is wow. that cool or what? That's took cool. the Bible or took the scientists <laughs> three thousand years to catch up to Moses. Yeah. That that's the awesome. Earth didn't always have continents. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that tectonic activity produces a lot of volcanic activity. Yeah. They spew out dust and gas and ashes and and the air is full of all this stuff and you can't see the sun okay but those continents were built up in two rapid bursts of tectonic activity okay on creation day creation yom okay. which i think was a very long period of time yeah yeah three yeah okay as that subsided okay all of this dust and that, that was able to clear some mm. okay so that's in place but now you've got plants dry plants on dry land and photosynthetic bacteria in the oceans also. They've yeah. been there a long time. But he didn't okay. mention those because we didn't discover bacteria until yeah. 1800s. Yeah. There's no point. The Israelites coming out of they did, Egyptian they slavery would have no said, what? clue about what is bacteria? bacteria. So he didn't mention that. Yeah. Uh, and Moses but, wouldn't know how to clue either. No, he's, no, he's, no. Yeah, he's relaying so what, it's not, what God that's, is telling him. But the bacteria's been in the ocean for a long time. Yeah. Now we got dry land and plants on dry land. Now yeah. what do at this time on the early earth, there was very low oxygen levels. Yeah. Very, very low. Yeah. Very high levels of carbon dioxide, which is bad for us, good for plants. Plants mm -hmm. love carbon dioxide, don't they? What yeah. do they breathe? Yeah. They, yeah. Plants breathe, breathe carbon dioxide. Yeah. And then breathe out. Yeah. And then pump out oxygen. Yeah, they retain the, us. Okay. They take in carbon dioxide. That's CO2. Yeah. They take in the carbon dioxide. And through the process of photosynthesis, powered by what? The sun. The sun. Sunlight. Yeah. They retain the carbon and use that to build their cells and whatever. Yeah. And then do what? Release the oxygen. Okay. And over time, as these plants are breathing in carbon dioxide, retaining the carbon, depositing it in the earth. Okay. They're taking carbon out of the atmosphere and putting oxygen in the atmosphere. Mm -hmm. Well, what does carbon do to the atmosphere? It makes it hazy, doesn't it? Yeah. Okay. As the carbon dioxide level came down okay. and the oxygen level went up, the air kept getting clearer and clearer and clearer, and eventually the clouds broke, and you could actually see directly from our interpretive frame of reference on the surface of the planet the sun, moon, and stars when the air became not translucent but transparent. Okay. And God prepared for day four when? Day three. Yeah. Yeah. The volcanic activity subsided and the plants started putting out oxygen, increasing the oxygen level. The air got clearer and clearer and clearer. Now on day four, he says, not only is there or, or is the Hebrew word for light. Mm -hmm. That's what the word used in verse uh, three. But then when he gets to verse 14, let there be lights, plural. In the English, it's lights, plural. 
In verse five, 3, it's light singular in the English. The difference in the Hebrew is light in general is or. Okay. In this room, if I'm looking down here at the floor, there's light filling this entire room. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's illumination. That's or. Okay. Okay. If I look up at the ceiling, I see what? An LED yeah. fixture. Yeah. That is the illuminator. Mm -hmm. That is ma'or okay. in Hebrew. So the ma'or, the illuminator, is the source of the light. Mm -hmm. That is verse 14. Verse 3 is just the light in general. When I flip a switch on in a room, there's light. Yeah. But that light switch actuates an illuminator, mm -hmm. the light fixture. Yeah. Okay. The sun, moon, the sun is the illuminator, the ma'or. Why is it not mentioned until, until day four? Because it's never been seen mm. from where? The surface of the planet where we interpret everything that happens in Genesis chapter one. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the atmosphere has been cleared enough that now you can see the ma'or, mm -hmm. the illuminator itself. Yeah. On day four. Yeah. And that's why he mentions them and not just light in yep. general. And he had made them sometime in the past. It doesn't say when, just sometime in the past. Yeah. Yeah. And some of you might be listening thinking like, well, man, why didn't God just, you know, spell all of this out? And for one, like Genesis 1 would be longer than our entire Bible. Oh, if God, and I mean, it wouldn't even be like close to, to it. You'd have your Bible around in a smack truck. Yes. And I think you think, you know, if we go out, let's say, you know, civilization, we go another thousand years. How much more are we going to discover about things we don't even know now and how much God did? So, like, it would be what God is trying to do in Genesis 1 is not tell us all of the details of how and when he did creation. Like, he is He is clearly telling the people coming out of slavery and also us as Christians, hey, God made the world and he's doing it in a narrative form. He's doing these sequences of, of seasons, of days. But what Jimmy is bringing is like, hey, now, thousands of years later, we can actually see that what everything we discovered in science fits with this very overview of creation so that it's not just like made up. Um, this isn't myth or legend or like, hey, here's our legend for how the world got here that we can actually see through science. Oh, this the Bible account fits well with what we've discovered with our Natural reasoning, would that be correct? Certainly. Uh, but my one of my main points is the Bible got it first. Yeah, absolutely. And that is, well, I like to compare what we're doing here in Genesis 1 with biblical prophecy. Mm -hmm. These authors knew nothing about plate tectonics or moon formation events they knew nothing about this but what we see in the passage in this passage in genesis chapter one is perfectly consistent hmm. with what we've discovered thousands of years later so the bible's writers were inspired to write about things they had no clue about yeah but they got it accurately yeah yeah they they wrote accurately yeah uh and they wrote it in a way that everyone there could understand, could understand and it made perfect sense all throughout the ages though we now can know even more so yeah how uh, that makes sense there are i gave a talk at murray state one time on uh, the first two verses of genesis chapter one 
there's uh, in the King, New King James, I think there's 26 words. There are seven or eight testable details in those first 26 words that modern science has confirmed mostly within my lifetime. Wow. The Bible was written, this Genesis was written like 3,500 years ago. Mm-hmm. Moses knew none of this. Hmm. He had to have some inside information. <laughs> yeah. And Job. Yeah. Yeah. And David. And, so, and, and David. Yeah. They had to have some inside information to get the, uh, to, for David to write something down that is extremely consistent with what we see in the fossil record. Yeah. He had no clue about paleontology. Yeah. Ross Geller had not been invented yet. Uh, uh, he knew nothing about paleontology, yet he wrote something that is very consistent with what mm-hmm. we have discovered in paleontology and digging in the rocks. Yeah, yeah. He wrote it like what, what twelve hundred years ago, something yeah. like that. But these authors were able to write about things that they knew th- nothing about in the remote past, mm. just as the biblical prophets wrote about things they knew nothing about in the remote in the distant future yeah for sure and both required insider information insider information information, (laughs) yeah external help yeah because there's no way they could have known the future or the remote past yeah yeah and they all got it right yeah that's good yeah i like that Man, I feel like there's so many uh, more directions we could go. I think we've been uh, close to an hour and a half. So that's probably a pretty long podcast for most of our listeners. Um, is we there just anything? started. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And I think we'll probably do uh, definitely a part two um, uh, at, at some point in the near future because a lot of, um, but what would you, I guess, just a way to kind of wrap it up? Um, you mentioned your own personal testimony, uh, just of, you know, an atheist to come into faith. And I know you have mentioned, Hey, as Christians, we can have different perspectives. Like there are people that love Jesus, love the Bible and are going to come away with God did it in a few thousand years, you know, or or God did it in 24 hour days. There's people who love Jesus, love the Bible and are going to say, this was over thousands, millions of years. And both of those we can say, hey, we're, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. We shouldn't break fellowship. We're all admitting God created the world. Um, he He created man in his image. Those things we're all saying are true. But I think what you have mentioned to me is some of the information that we're covering can be very helpful to a person who is an atheist, who has a science background, um, who is looking at the Bible and saying, well, there's no way this was six days. So how would you maybe encourage someone who has a friend like that or maybe is a skeptic um, to get from or maybe even a little bit of your journey of how this was really helpful and how can Christians use your perspective of old earth to really help maybe a skeptic at least be curious about the Bible because the Bible actually does say a lot of good things. Does that make sense? Kind of a way to wrap it up and say, yes. hey. Uh, Many people in secular culture just flat out reject the Bible because they believe it teaches that the earth was created 6,000 years ago, and they, from their perspective, know that that's not true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they just reject the Bible because of that. I was the same way. Mm. I remember arguing with my wife and my sister 
about light travel time. Mm. How do we see a galaxy or a star that is 50, 100,000, a million light years away when it takes light that long to travel? And they, of course, they, they, could, had, they had no answers for those questions that I had. Yeah. I wish somebody had been able to give me good answers back then mm-hmm. because maybe I would have come to faith much sooner than I did. Yeah. I think it, it, there's a lot more going on here than intellect. Yeah. Uh, our sin, my sin. For sure. Clouds our judgment. Yeah. Our will is involved. Uh, but for a skeptic who has rejected the Bible's message of salvation because they think the first couple of pages is absolute nonsense, I would encourage them to take another look at it. I would love to go with through them and show them what I've explained to you today. Yeah. And say, no, these guys knew what, the, well, they didn't know what they were talking about, but whatever, <laughs> they wrote it down and it's accurate. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned <clears throat> reasons to believe. Um, what is that? Is that a good resource for people? Well, from my pers- perspective, it is. From a young earth creationist perspective, we're the bad guys. Yeah. And so you would have, <laughs> and just for listeners, I would say young earth, you know, if you think about answers in Genesis, yeah. Creation Museum, you know, that that's going to be your young earth um, champions. So, you know, if you're if you're really curious, hey, go answers in Genesis, read some articles and then go to reasons for God reasons, reasons to believe reasons dot org okay. is the website and uh, and compare and and, you know, and, and again, what we're saying is hopefully you're you're catching on that. And these are these are third tier issues. They're not. Um, wherever you land on this doesn't mean you're a Christian or a non-Christian. Like no. if we agree God made the world, um, it's for his glory and our good. And he made man in his image and God created all out of nothing. Like we're, we're good. It's the, Hey, if it was a long time or a short time or maybe somewhere in between, um, you know, like we, we can all have fun and be curious and disagree and have good arguments. Um, but if you're curious, those would be two good places that are going to give two different opinions and and read, discover. But for your perspective from old earth, where would be a good place for people to go outside of this podcast? It would be that would it be the website? Yes, you could start there. Reasons.org. That okay. is the uh, it is a I guess you could call it a creation ministry think tank. Uh it is staffed by astrophysicists, theologians. Uh, yeah, we'll put that in the show notes too. So if you want to just go click on there. Um, what about some good books? Biologists, good books? Yeah, are there, are there good books that you would recommend? Well, um, I'm not over 40 or 50. Yeah, yeah. Well, like I'm thinking about the person who, man, this is like, so, so I'm driving to work, I listen to this podcast, and I'm like, I've never even heard of a Christian who thinks the world is more than 10,000 years old. So for that person, what would be your three books that might pique their curiosity on? Okay. Uh, the Creation of the Universe okay. would be The Creator and the Cosmos Okay, by Hugh Ross. Okay. Uh, and we'll put these in the show notes the too. The Creation Date Controversy would be... A Matter of Days by the same author. Okay. Uh, Evolution, uh, maybe Darwin's Doubt by 
uh, what's his name? Stephen Meyer. Okay. It's a big, thick book, though. Uh, Darwin on Trial by Philip Johnson. And okay. if you're a high school student, maybe uh, Defeating Darwinism by Opening Minds by Philip Johnson. It's a high school level. Okay. Uh, or maybe if you're like me and you're like, I want the high school version. <laughs> that sounds good. Uh, those are good places to start. Yeah. Uh, if you're if you want to get into the well, this is getting pretty deep, but uh, Signature in the Cell by C Stephen Meyer is talking about the information content of DNA. Okay, it's fascinating. Hmm. Uh, and there are, oh, oh, goodness, I've got fifty yeah. or hundred books on my bookshelf that yeah. I've read over the last thirty years. Yeah, for sure. And as you guys can see, um, you know, Jimmy Slack is passionate about creation and how it fits with science. And uh, he's a guy that has read, studied, um, because because it is you're a, a piano tuner by trade. Would that be right? I you're guess, not a yep. a uh, uh, a science theologian. No, would that no, be well. I'm an amateur. Yeah, uh, Christian apologist fo who focuses on science apologetics. I yeah. guess you could be the best way to describe me. Yeah, I love that. A and very, I, I would very I would amateur, rank that amateur very to amateur. pro in my book. Uh, so if you're an amateur, then we're all really no, amateur. I, I know the pros. I've yeah. met them. They yeah. are way, way above my pay grade. Yeah. Yeah. And Hugh Ross would be a guy that you would recommend oh, if gosh. people want to YouTube and look at some videos. Yes. Like he's he's, he's a guy that you would say yes. this guy's doing it. Yes. Yeah. He is the premier old earth creationist leader i think okay he is yeah. the founder of reasons to believe and my primary mentor over yeah. the last 30 years yeah that's awesome and hopefully one of the things on the podcast you've picked up on is um the old earth position is not merely as some would say well hey they just don't believe the bible they're just going with science and trying to make it fit um i think you've heard over this last hour and a half that uh and jimmy slack believes the bible he believes what God has said, and he actually views it that um, what we see in science actually reflects what God has told us in his word. And where there are contradictions between what we see and what God has said, um, there's an issue with interpretation. <laughs> the interpreters had got it wrong because God's word and God's world are truth. They're always going to be true. But the interpreters, we can get it wrong a lot. And... Um, Hey, next week we're going to talk to uh, Jeffrey Young on why he thinks uh, the earth is actually only 10,000 years old. And it's going to be fun to dialogue with him. Obviously, we have two different interpreters. we got Jimmy. We've got Jeffrey. And uh, it's going to be two different interpretations. And that's for you to run with, to think about, to process, get your Bible, um, read some good articles. And it's always fun to think about, um, man, how— how did God do this? And when did he do this? Those are really, um, man, fun and fruitful um, things. Because I heard you say, Jimmy, that it's been the passion of your life. Like it, it's fruitful to think about how God did this. And because we see that God is creator, he created a good creation. And it is marvelous. It is beautiful. And just to, the more you study about creation, it should lead you to worship your creator. Would that be right? It would be. Uh, I'll share you, with you just a personal moment. Yesterday I was adding some thoughts to my commentary on what John and his gospel had to say about the creator. And I was thinking about the uh, 
John's emphasis on the creator being a personal being. Mm. And I thought, okay, I've got to give an example from science that shows that, that, that how nature shows us that the creator is a personal being. Okay. And I was writing this analogy or this, this example down. And as I was writing that example down, I was so amazed by the magnificence and the glory and the power of the creator. It brought me to tears. Hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. Yesterday, as I was writing that. <laughs> and you've been studying it for 40 years, yeah. right? <laughs> 30, 30 or better. Yeah. yeah. That's incredible. Just, just thinking about how amazing this creator is, it literally brought me to tears. Yeah. Man, that's awesome. And that's what creation should do. Um, we should be thankful. We should worship um, God, who is our creator and our sustainer and also our redeemer. Um, and so, man, Jimmy, this has been a, a thrill. I've enjoyed it a ton. I know our listeners um, have thoroughly enjoyed this. So I want to say thank you for, man, taking the time and, and speaking with us and uh, sharing just uh, your perspective on why you think uh, the world is how old? The Earth or the universe? The, the Earth. Earth, Earth four point five six six two billion years. Okay. The universe about thirteen point eight billion years. Okay. Yeah. I think the scientists got that right. Okay. They don't get evolution right, but they get astrophysics pretty well right. Okay. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, yeah, and as you've heard, God created it. Correct. Every bit of it. Yeah, that's in awesome. the beginning. That's awesome. But now, we as Christians are not bound together by common doctrine of creation. Okay. We are bound together by common salvation in Jesus Christ. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and that's helpful to remember, right? We have to keep that in mind all the time. I have yeah. to. Yeah. Uh, my nature is I, I want to. I have to rein it in sometimes. Uh huh. Yes. And, as Peter said, uh, treat people with dignity and respect and always be ready to give them a defense for the hope that's within me. Absolutely. But, but with dignity and respect. Absolutely. Gentleness yeah. and respect, he said. Yeah, because, I mean, how it began, or you know, the when and the how of how it began and also how it's going to end. I mean, those are, oh, we are, disagree are on those very too. much different <laughs> d disagreements and uh, – but I think the big, you know, the big I stay away from that one. Yeah, the big ideas of, hey, God created it, and God is coming back. <laughs> That's the main uh, thing. Those are the main things, and uh, we can have fun, we can disagree, but we must love one another. And because uh, man, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. No matter where you land, um, we're unified in Christ through the cross and the resurrection. And uh, God is our Creator. He's coming back to get us. And uh, it's only by way of the cross. We agree on that. Amen. Amen. Hey, this has been fun. Thank you guys for listening to the Love Your Bible podcast again next week. Uh, we'll talk to Jeffrey Young on why he thinks the world or the, uh, the universe, I guess, is only 10,000 years old. So tune in for that.